Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Our guest today is Adam Chasen with the Chasen Homes team of Compass. Adam has been a real estate agent for six years now, coming to the industry with a background of mortgage and settlements. He was also raised with a large extended family that were involved in all different parts of real estate. Adam and his team member, Beth Tolls, just did over $21 million in volume last year. Hiring a new agent this fall, they are so excited to continue their growth. A DC Metro native, Adam knows the area well, and we are so excited to hear more about his journey. Adam? Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you guys. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So growing up in the area, you've been doing real estate six years now. So we always like to start off with kind of, you know, telling us your story. Like, you know, you come from a background of real estate, but why real estate? How'd you end up where you are? Well, you know, thank you for uh, asking. And I'm very happy to share sort of my background and how I ended up as an agent, which I love, uh, by the way, and six great years as an agent so far. Uh, many more in the future. I grew up in a family with a grandfather and an uncle that were settlement attorneys in the Washington, D.C. area. I also have some extended family that are in real estate development, property management, and all sorts of sides of the business. And I had, from a very early age, uh, pre-teen years, been around people that were looking at development, looking at the commercial and residential sectors of our city and metro area and talking about them. And Mm -hmm. so when I was sitting at dinner with uncles and grandfathers and father, that was a common conversation at the dinner table. And so I was indoctrinated with what real estate was, how it works, and all the different factors that come into play with real estate at a very young age. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was I went to the University of Delaware for my undergrad. And as I was finishing up at Delaware, the first refi boom really hit. And this was around 0203. And there were mortgage brokerages popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. I was finishing up at University of Delaware and I only needed about six credits left. And so what I did was I moved my two classes to Monday and Tuesday evenings. And I ended up joining a brokerage locally in the Rockville area. I guess they would call it North Bethesda now. Yeah. So, um, and. I got started having a working career at that point. I thought that there were many things that I was interested in, but didn't really know what direction I wanted to go. But obviously with my background in real estate, I thought there was a good possibility that I'd end up, whether it was real estate law, settlement, you name it. And because the opportunity sort of presented itself, I started in mortgages and I did that very successfully for several years. Mm -hmm. It was not the side of the business that I knew pretty early on I wanted to remain as a long-term career. And it wasn't that I didn't enjoy math or numbers, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you, that is something that I have an affinity for. I know a lot of agents like to avoid math and numbers, but I do enjoy that sort of thing. I'm a poker player and so math is sort of uh, one of the things that I enjoy, but Um, I didn't get to meet the clients and Mm. spend a lot of time with them. I'm a very much a people person. I found it was more of a a nine to five kind of office. Well, when I say nine to five, maybe seven to nine, really all those mortgage lenders out there. Trust me, I'm not taking any slights (laughs) at all your hard work, but uh, I was in the office. I would meet clients maybe at the early stages of their process and then talk to them again later on. And That felt sort of like I had a gap of the relationship building that I really enjoy and was starting to learn was part of what made me tick. So a few years fast forward and 
Um, unfortunately, I had played a lot of sports and I had uh, some major injury uh, issues. I ended up having five back surgeries, wow. including a three-level fusion wow. to my lower back. Basically spent about a year in bed. Uh, I had three surgeries in one year. And it kind of knocked me out of my career path. Mm -hmm. And so it took a little while to get back on my feet. Fortunately, I have friends and family that are unbelievably supportive, whether it was mm -hmm. walking the dog or coming to visit or dropping food off. I was well taken care of. Right. And I'm very fortunate compared to most people. And um, getting started so young in the mortgage field, I had saved up enough to kind of get by. But I needed to get back out there. And I didn't know what I was physically capable of. Mm -hmm mentally and emotionally capable of kind of doing at that point. So fortunately, I had made some connections while I was doing mortgages and being in the area. Mm -hmm. And there was a settlement attorney who was leaving as an in-house counsel for a very large mortgage company as sort of the subprime and the mortgage uh, issues were coming to a head in 06 to 08, that yeah. period of time. And he mentioned to me that he was going to start his own settlement company. And so... Would I be interested in coming on as a settlement agent and a full-time marketing head for his company? And I thought to myself, well, this would be a great way to get back into the real estate field. Right. Um, I have some experience in mortgages. I obviously had been around settlement companies and real estate law my whole life. Mm -hmm. And there was some opportunity here um, without going into too much of his business model. He had come up with the idea of doing basically a paperless settlement company, okay. and we had some backers, including Bank of America at the time, that were supporting that system. And as you know now, we're still not completely paperless, even right. in the COVID <laughs> era. So that sort of didn't work its way out. But over a period of a year or two, we were planning and moving forward with a set, uh, settlement company that was going to be completely paperless. And I was very excited about that venture. I was there for a while, and it worked out, got me back on my feet, got going again. And I have some friends that are in the industry, whether they're realtors or loan officers. My wife, who was then girlfriend at the time, mm -hmm. was very supportive. And they said, you know, we know you're enjoying being in real estate again. You've, you've gotten back out there, but you love working with people. Mm -hmm. You have a lot to offer. Have you ever thought about being a real estate agent? Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was the one side of the industry that never had crossed my mind <laughs> growing up or yeah. even in my early days of my career. And so I really just said, no, never really thought about it. I mean, sounds like it would be a fit, but I really don't know. And so yeah. I did some due diligence, talked to a lot of managers and brokers, talked to agents, talked to settlement attorneys, talked to a, a slew of mortgage lenders mm -hmm. because... They'll give you the frank, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right. uh, the frank assessment that you kind of need when you're looking at things. And so I jumped in, uh, both feet in, and got my license, and uh, I started with Weikert Realtors. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a great experience learning and training with them. And then uh, about a year ago, I was fortunate enough to uh, have an opportunity to come over to the Compass brokerage and um i've been there now for a year and mm -hmm. uh very happy with my choice six seven years ago now to become an agent and yeah. uh don't regret a thing about it love what i'm doing that's amazing what a great story there's Thank a lot you. of lot of passion there you can tell with just the industry as a whole not even necessarily just the real estate um agent side of it but as a whole that's that's amazing and i will say i think that's one of the things that's nice about being in a field that really does touch everyone yeah whether it's someone that's looking for a rental 
they need a new house, they need to downsize, they need their parent to find a house that has one floor living. There's a million ways to look at it. People that are just investors, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those in our area. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to touch different kind of people and I love that about this industry. Right, right, absolutely. What do you, um, when you first started out with, with real estate, what do you wish that you had known when you first started? That's a great question and I think that's something that most people sort of need to ask. Yeah. I think that one of the things you need to understand is whatever time and money you think you're going to be spending, especially that first year, I wouldn't say double it, but increase it by probably 50%. Mm-hmm. There is a perception for a lot of people when they get into the real estate business that you get to make your own hours or you have flexibility. Right. Um, we'll take the monetary stuff aside for a second, but with time, I think the biggest thing to understand is that while you can do a million different things to benefit your business, network, meet people, not all of them are efficient uses of time. Right. And you have to figure out both what fits you, your business, and your area and the culture in the area as well. Mm-hmm. What's going to fit and make the most efficient use of your time? Because the reality is, if you're going to be a successful agent, you're not working 40 hours a week. You're probably not working 60 hours a week. Right. I am up whether I'm thinking about things, writing (laughs) notes, doing administrative work, I have help with marketing and social media, but still, planning, all those things Mm -hmm. take a lot of time, and I don't know if there's ever a day where I'm not working a 12 to 14 hour day, at least mentally. Right, right, so just understanding when you first started, like, this is a lot of time, this is a lot of work, it's not just, yeah, I get to make my own schedule, and you know, it's kind of a luxurious sort of be your own boss, Exactly. People see the reward and there Mm -hmm. are a lot of successful agents, especially in our region. Mm -hmm. But what they don't see are how many agents are struggling to find those deals. Right. And there are agents that have been working for 10 or 13 years and have consistent business and you still have to recreate yourself because the industry doesn't stop. The agents in this area are constantly getting better and better Mm -hmm. and you can't be sitting idle and expect to have the same business year to year. You have to constantly build your business and build yourself up, both education, technologically, Mm -hmm. and and your approach. Um, Strategically, I think looking and revamping yourself Mm -hmm. constantly on a monthly and annual basis Mm -hmm. is really important to make sure that you're staying on top of your game. And I wanted to mention monetarily, everyone is in a different situation, everyone comes up with different models, and it has different expectations of what they're gonna make or spend. Mm The big thing is to talk to a lot of people in the industry, not just agents, but other people, to get a sense of where people are spending their money. It's not just the licenses, it's not just the marketing ads. There's a lot of things you can do, whether it's a client party, meeting for coffee, Mm -hmm. all sorts of different um, continuing education things that are really important uh, as you're getting into the industry. So. What I would say is you want to make sure whatever you expect to spend, make sure there's 50% more saved up Mm -hmm. behind that because you never want to make decisions that are not as efficient or good for you based on you don't have that next dollar or deal closing. Right, right, absolutely. Very, very good point. with that, as I'm sure a lot of things, you know, is coming into coming into something completely different for you. But um, tell me about a really challenging time and how you overcame it. And that can be personally, professionally. I know you mentioned your injury. Is there anything else that were, you know, significant life events that um, and how you kind of went through that? Sure. Well, you know, I mentioned the back injury, and I think that would have been a great story for that question. But to get into a little more smaller sort of 
uh, tough time that I kind of had to get through. Um, moving. I, I think this relates to everyone, whether you're an agent or just in the re- the industry. Um, I had a very large trip planned to the Kentucky Derby a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I had family coming with. We have family in the area. We had some ties to the horse racing industry, and we wanted to have a really nice trip. And I ended up uh, with my wife accidentally stumbling into the current home that we're in now. Mm-hmm. We were heading to a St. Patrick's Day party happened to see a house for sale i told my wife we were nowhere near (laughs) planning to move and she loved it (laughs) and we we fell in love with the house the second we pulled up the driveway and i know that happens to a lot of people we were not really set up to be able to do this move both physically mentally time-wise all those things and we were going to be away for about a 10-day period Mm -hmm. to both transition and have the move conducted and get the new house ready get the old house ready for sale etc it was very challenging Mm -hmm. and i think everybody that's ever moved whether it's from a rental to a rental a new city or in a a transaction where you're actually purchasing a property knows how much is involved with packing and moving well this was only a few years after my back surgeries and I felt really good physically. I was back to what I felt was sort of the new normal, where I felt maybe I'm limited in what I can lift or do somewhat physically because I'm no longer able to power lift and some of the things that I was Mm -hmm. sort of uh, interested in prior. But um, I thought I was a little more sort of capable than probably I realized. And my wife and I faced uh, the facts where we were packing and trying to get the house cleaned. And we did have some people we brought in to help us. But it was a huge, huge undertaking right. and more than we really bargained for. And so in the end, I had to sort of bite the bullet. And there were a couple of choices. And not everyone, we were fortunate enough that I was able to hire some people to come in and really assist with some contract work right. and some cleaning and some additional things that we weren't planning to do. But without that help, there's no way I would have been able to facilitate. Right. And so whether that's help from family and friends, whether that's help because we had the monetary resources to maybe hire some people mm-hmm. or maybe some better planning. Yeah. Um, all of those things was a big life lesson to me. And, you know, I think that anybody that ever moves knows how stressful it can be. And so taking those extra few hours or days to figure out how this is going to work and can it truly work Mm -hmm. is something that I learned from that. Mm -hmm. And obviously I apply that to my clients now and give them some of that experience as I can. Right, right. And and asking for help seems like a big one, too. You know, not being afraid to reach out to resources and people that you know can help you with difficult that is and anybody that knows me well will tell you i'm not the first person that will reach out for help um probably not my second instinct either but there are plenty of reasons that it's going to be beneficial if you do and you know you just have to figure out the right help and who to reach out to that's usually the key right right awesome um on the flip side tell me about a really successful time and how you celebrated it sure well you know I don't know that offhand I have like an over-the-top, one-off, successful moment that I can think of. I'm sure there's plenty, but I don't get that high or low that often, and I think that's one of the keys for me is kind of keeping emotional steadiness. But what I will tell you is what I've built into my life and my business plan is to constantly celebrate little wins. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think 
Um, I think I really do celebrate often. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very close friend who's been a loan officer a long time, and we often have business that we share, whether he's doing a loan or I'm referring him a deal one way or another. And we will take each other to a steakhouse almost every time we close a deal together. That's We've awesome. been doing that forever. When I was in settlements, we did that as well. So um, doing things like that. My wife and I will often go out for a really nice sushi dinner. Mm -hmm. Not when I win a contract or I close a deal, but just when I have a great conversation with a new person that yeah. I'm meeting that yeah. is a great interesting person to meet um, those little wins I find are the things that I like to celebrate when you get those big over the top wins let's call them mm -hmm. those are the celebrations to me mm -hmm. uh, getting to see my clients super happy in a new home uh, getting that home that two other agents had put on the market and couldn't sell and I come in and help them sell it right whatever it is that they are trying to accomplish Getting that and, and accomplishing that goal is really where I feel that win comes in for myself right. and that celebration. But I think celebrating those little things keeps the burnout from coming in. Yeah. We talked about the hours you have to work in this industry, all the time you put in, and the mental energy. And to keep from getting exhausted mentally and emotionally, I think celebrating these little wins all the time are the mm -hmm. things that I like to do to make sure that everything stays fresh. Yeah, I absolutely love that because I feel like so many people, especially when you're in an industry and you're starting to grow and you have another agent coming on and you know you, you get to a point where you forget to celebrate those small wins and when you can take the time to know like, hey, I'm, I'm you know doing good things, like I'm doing good things, let's celebrate them, that becomes a lifestyle to where you're staying on that positive note of what it, you know what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you nailed it. It becomes more lifestyle oriented. So, if I have a great conversation with a client about a property and they know this is a property that might be a great fit for them. Yeah. Maybe I'm not going out to dinner automatically because that happens several times a day, hopefully, for me. Right. But at the same time, maybe I'll take 5 minutes and just mentally or emotionally enjoy the fact that I had a great conversation I learned more about my client mm -hmm. building a relationship with them and, and that's also not to run off on a tangent here but that is what I find one of the most rewarding parts of this industry mm -hmm. in this area we have so many interesting smart people that want to share their knowledge their background their story and I find it fascinating to work with all these different kind of clients on a daily basis mm -hmm. where I'm understanding their background where they're coming from and how they ended up in this area right and and there are some fascinating stories out there yeah absolutely um how are you being successful right now what has changed for you over the course of the last four months with with just everything going on how have you how have you adapted business personally what's that look like now well i'm not um in my own boat here i think everyone has had to adapt yeah and I think fortunately in this industry as a real estate agent, maybe we had to adapt a little less in some ways than others and maybe more in others than some other industries. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we already worked out of the office quite a bit, out in the field, out of our house, used to having signs in our car, right. extra <laughs> water for cold water for clients, etc. Um, taking extra precautions and customizing whatever setup we have in our listings. So the hand soap, the towels, the, the wipes, everything you might need, the lotion um, in those listings. Maybe that's a little different than the water bottles and snacks that I was leaving prior, but right. the preparation's similar. So right. 
those things make it a little easier to transition. Um, however, I think that what we've had to do, because we've been actually operating full business the entire time that this COVID quarantine and era has gone on, right. we've had to adapt on an hourly and daily basis, probably faster than a lot of industries. Right. We were the ones out there, and I'm not saying nurses and doctors and firemen, those are people that are taking great risks all the time. I'm not comparing us to them necessarily, but when we were out in the field, there was a lot of unknown in March, April, May, and we were out there in the front lines and making sure I had two sets of clients in the first week of April, just two weeks after my son was born, that had to have their houses closed on or right. they didn't have a place to live. Right. They didn't have a place that they could fall back on. We maybe would have been able to set up a hotel stay for them, which with both sets have kids. Neither one was really going to be comfortable with that setup. And so we were being relied upon for these people's homes yeah. and you know, families. basically families and safety. So yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. And so we need to make sure we're on our games and constantly getting updates about the legal end of things, the health end of things, and also what's going on in these individual cases with these individual families because mm -hmm. things were ever-changing. And so to be able to adapt on the fly like that was very difficult. I think the, the big thing that we um, have seen now to kind of take stronghold is everyone, whether it was a very senior agent that was uh, has been in the business for 40-some years and is adverse to a lot of technology or an agent just starting out, everyone is embracing some level of technology that they were not prior. Right. And so for myself, um, that's certainly the case also. I was somewhat technologically forward with my approach, but even now I'm constantly looking for who are doing things that are making things easier for clients, easier yeah. for sellers to find my properties, easier for my buyers to find places and win transactions. And the other thing is we have to constantly stay on top of the market. Yeah. And that is a micro market, not just the metro area, but we're talking about neighborhood to neighborhood, mm -hmm. sometimes street to street, and property type to property type. And there have been such big swings from week to week and sometimes day to day that if you fall behind a couple of days, you're really out of date. Yeah. And so that is the thing that I think the agents that have been successful during this era have really done is stayed right at the tip of of what was going on in the right. market because that one helps us price, helps us make sure that the deals are going to get closed that we're involved with. Right. And if you're not doing that, you're going to be so far behind to play catch up because of how fast things have moved. Right. Right. Absolutely. Good point. Um, where do you where do you see yourself in the next five years? I know you're getting ready to hire another agent on board this fall. Um, what what's next? Well, um, you know, I've now had a team, the Chase and Homes team, for will be one calendar year in September. So, awesome! Congratulations! Um, thank you, and uh, it's been a great first year, and we've been over at Compass, and Compass has really set up the grounds for me to grow my team, and that's one of the reasons that I was attracted to come over to Compass. And so um, Beth Tolls, who had joined my team with me and come over to Compass in September, mm -hmm. um, has helped hit the ground running to get our team going and branded and everything that we need to make sure that we have um, a great rising team and, and we're going to be successful long term. And so the next step is to get some great professional hands on deck to fill in some gaps mm -hmm. um, as a two-person team. 
we cannot be at all places at once. Right. Um, we operate Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. And so anybody that's in this region knows that, especially when we have normal traffic, yeah. uh, it can be tough to get around and, and deal with all the clients all at once. And so getting another hands on deck is obviously important for us. Additionally, when we bring this third person on, they're going to fill some technological uh, um I wouldn't say holes, but mm -hmm. small gaps. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be a great way for us to keep growing. And the person that's coming on is also a very experienced negotiator mm -hmm. and a very successful international and domestically. And so that person will help us, I think, be even stronger as a team on negotiations. So what I see in the next five years are constantly looking forward to see what the next growth sectors are going to be, mm -hmm. both in the industry and for my team and finding great professional career agents that will be good fits for my team long-term. And I expect us to have somewhere around a seven to eight person team in the next okay. five years. And those will all be seven to eight people that see themselves on my team long-term, mm -hmm. have fits long-term, but also are professional career agents. And so they're gonna have some specialties potentially, but also be a good fit with what else we're doing on the team. Right, your culture. Awesome. Are you um, currently reading any books or listening to any podcasts? Uh, book well, I, I am. Um, I'm not as voracious a book reader as I once was. Mm -hmm. uh, partially time and partially with uh, all the technology out there, I have turned to podcasts quite a bit. Yeah. You know, it's funny because of how serious the world has been in 2020, I find most of the podcasts I listen to these days are local sports related. Okay. I'm a huge sports fan, yeah. um, poker related, some light kind of easy listening kind yeah. of stuff that I'll listen to while I'm outside doing yard work or in the shower, those kind of things. Um, but I actually have just started a very interesting book. Um, her name's Maria Konnikova, okay. and she wrote a book called The Biggest Bluff. And I mentioned a couple times, I'm I'm a huge game player. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's Monopoly. My wife and I were on the porch playing Life the other night <laughs> after dinner. So I'll play any game, anytime, as long as it's competitive. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big poker fan and poker player and card fan. And so... Maria is actually uh, has a PhD in psychology, and that's actually her world, her specialty. It's a nonfiction book, and Maria was fascinated with this sort of world of mathematics and poker. Hmm. She couldn't tell you how many cards were in a deck. And what she did was she was recommended to speak with this guy named Eric Seidel, who's a Hall of Fame poker player, mm -hmm. and learn the game. And she thought through an approach through mathematics and psychology that she would be able to have a fascinating case study to write about. Well, it turned out that Maria, within one short calendar year, got so talented at the, the skills at poker right. with her mathematics and psychology approach that she was placing in high-stakes tournaments wow. and making several hundred thousand dollars um, placed at the World Series of Poker, which is one of, if not the largest international tournament every year. And wow. so um, I'm just in the early stages of the book, but I think it's pretty fascinating. And Jesse Eisenberg, the actor who mm -hmm. played uh, famously Mark Zuckerberg in mm -hmm. The Social Network, um, wrote the foreword for this book and uh, you know she's picking up a lot of sort of celeb poker fans which is a world I sort of follow a little right. bit too so it's uh, pretty interesting and anybody that's into 
cards, obviously you would enjoy this, but if you're into strategy, whether it's mm. mathematics or not, there's some really interesting strategy that comes from the psychology background that she has that I think is pretty fascinating, even if you have no interest in poker, gambling, or the like. Right. That's that's a real sounds like a really cool book. I'll have to look that up. And I love I love what you said about um, finding light and and everything going on and you know really spending time reading or listening to things that you enjoy and that you really like doing and maybe in some aspects miss. I'm sure you're you're happy that basketball is back and baseball is oh back. And I know my fiance is like off the charts, like screaming at everything. I'm like, isn't that serious? He's like, you don't understand. I missed it so much. <laughs> I consider so. myself a professional yeah. uh, sports viewer. Okay. And so the other night um, there was NBA, mm-hmm. NHL playoffs, okay. and my beloved Baltimore Orioles yeah. were on in the 11th inning. And within about a 30 second period, I was flipping into all three, and just so trying happy. to figure out which one I had to watch because it was all end of game situations. <laughs> and my wife hears me screaming and she said, what is wrong? And I said, I can't figure out. I'm so rusty in my sports viewing. <laughs> I can't figure out what channel to land on. So uh, that gives you an idea of how excited I was. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, what advice do you have for our listeners that are in real estate, in the real estate industry, or maybe thinking about the, uh, joining the real estate industry? I know we talked a little bit about when you first started out, but just kind of any general advice you would give to someone. So I, I would answer that in two parts. Okay. Um, first, I think the best advice or something important for those that are in the industry Talk to other agents. Network with other agents. Not everyone. We we are not enemies. Um, And I know there's tons of great agents out there that are networking and are cordial and want to make relationships. But I really do think as an industry, as agents, we are all better off and our clients are better off the more we network, the more we talk to each other about what's going on, not the less. And there's always been a little bit of a split between brokerages, Mm -hmm. between offices, um, it is competitive out there, no doubt about it. I enjoy that competition, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what drives me. But it doesn't mean that we're actually always pitted against each other. Right. My client is going to make whatever offer they make and want the fit for their home. doesn't necessarily mean your client is going to be in that same exact um suitcase per se. Yeah. And I think that the more we talk to each other, the more understanding there is about what's going on in the industry, Mm -hmm. the better for everybody. Right. Um, For the new agents, I think, you know, the biggest thing is understanding yourself a little bit, your time, your money, what opportunities you have, all sorts of things about where your network is, Mm -hmm. where you have some opportunities to network. Maybe you're a person that is from North Carolina, moved up to this area, You've always worked in sales, you want to get into real estate, you've bought and sold some homes before, but you don't have a network. Those are going to be different paths for everybody. And so figuring out all of those factors and finding the right fit for you, because there really is a good fit for everybody, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's a brokerage, an office manager, or even partnering with. You don't necessarily have to join a team. Some people do, and it's great training for some new agents, but maybe partnering with another newer agent or something of that sort, make sure that when it's an a emergency and someone has to have a showing and you're in D.C. and the showing's in Anne Arundel County, you're going to be comfortable knowing that you have some backup support. And when you are an independent contractor, that is the one thing that I think is hardest for people to wrap their heads around is you're really out there on an island on your own unless you have a team or some support. Mm-hmm. And that support can come in family, friends, 
It can also be other agents. It can be an office manager. It can be an assistant. All those things. But even a network of third-party providers like yourselves, mm -hmm. ProTech with the inspections, whether it's my photography companies that I work with, all of those people are resources and assets. And so when you're sitting down, not just a business plan of how much money you want to make and how many clients I have to work with to get that many deals done, but really navigating who you're networking with, when you're networking with them, how you're going to be networking, and what you're trying to reach, what are the goals. Right. Those are really important things to sit down and take your time doing. It's not just about getting the license and putting your shingle out, as they used to say. Yeah. I know we don't have shingles anymore, but your placard, um, whatever it might be in the COVID era, I guess it's your digital <laughs> yeah. business card. Um, and, and really taking the time. I think taking that extra time, and I've advised the person coming on my team to do the same. We could have rushed that person on and probably gotten them on the start of August, but we're going to take a little bit more time and probably... Uh, bring them on my team probably post Labor Day and okay. that is so that we can really develop um, the plans in place so that when they are coming on and actually paying dues right. to both the National Association of Realtors maybe it's the GCAR MAR all these different associations you have your licensing you have all sorts of different technology that you need to pay for and get started you don't need to start paying that money until you really have your plan in place. Right. And so sit down, take a couple extra days or an extra week and really hone in and get the details of that plan um, and, and run it by some people that know what they're doing. Right, right. So it kind of goes back to the whole asking for help a little bit. You you're know? right, you're yeah. right, it does. I yeah. probably didn't want it to admit that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, so tell everyone the best way to reach you by phone, by email, social media. What's the best way to get in touch with Adam? So I tell all of my clients and friends, family, anybody I meet the first time that um, we speak that they can reach me however is easy and convenient for them. Okay. Um, whether that's phone, email, online, social media, whatever it is that they find efficient and helpful for them, I am available. So my phone number, you can always reach me on my cell phone, 301-461-7021. Uh, my email is adam, A-D-A-M, dot chasen, C-H-A-S as in Sam, E-N as in Nancy, homes at gmail.com, as well as adam dot chasen at compass dot com. And then um, I do have a Twitter handle. It's A-D chasen. Um, my Instagram, I believe, is A chasen homes. I'm also on Facebook. You could find me under Chasen Holmes or under Adam Chasen. I have a business page and a personal page. Find me out there on social media, guys. Anybody have any questions for me, I'm happy to talk. One thing that I want to convey to everyone out there, and I know the other agents do this all the time too, we are not just here when you're ready to sell your home. The professional career agents out there are around and available. We want to support you. We want to be your lifetime agents. Call us when you have questions before you refinance or you have questions about your tax bill, whatever it is. I'm not just there when you're ready to buy and sell a home. I can be an advocate for you. I can help you and assist you with anything to do with real estate anytime. Uh, and so I'm your lifetime realtor, no matter what time or what position you're in with your house. I love that. And you're so easy to get a hold of, which is a really important thing, especially these days. I better be, that's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate your time today and uh, good luck with everything you got going on. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. 
Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. To be a guest on our show, message us on any of our social media platforms.